0: Good morning and welcome to the Presbyterian Church of the Covenant. My name is Reverend Jason Warren Griffiths. Sorry, I'm going to try and make this a little higher just because I'm a little taller than this. Maybe, no, I don't know what I'll do. Let's do this. There you go. That's better. Um, And this is also the podcast recording for um, November 15th, 2020. Sorry, I'm so tall, people. Um, and notice I'm not in the Eagle's nest and I wanted to thank everybody for being so flexible, especially last week we went back to our podcast recording because of the wind and the rain. And thank you very much as a congregation for being or remaining united and, um, willing and wanting to gather together, um. I have one announcement and then I'm going to hand over the microphone. Actually, I got a couple announcements. One of them is right after the service, we're going to do our first ever drive in congregational meeting. So there will be a brief pause after Tim gives the benediction, and then um, I'll kick off the meeting as moderator and de- declare a quorum. And we have two things to talk about as a congregation and vote on. And it should be brief, but amazing. And the second thing is, um, I have, we have Reverend Tim McKelman. He was my predecessor. He married my wife and I. He officiated the wedding. He was here for a bunch of years. That's a round of a fuss. That's, it's so nice being down here too, by the way. Uh, just cause I get to see more people. Yeah. Maybe I'll do this every once in a while. Um, and so he's going to be sharing the word with us this morning and I couldn't be more grateful to God, um. For him in my life, and just make sure everybody listens. Listen more than you listen to me. Okay. Okay. Anyway, uh, the next person uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna invite Nora, Nora Anderson. She's gonna be giving us uh, a blast from the past.
1: A blast from the past about mission. Uh, we've ha- always had an extensive outreach to mission. And last week, we talked about the fact that in the 60s, we started reaching out to the world and offering them ourselves and our resources. Presbyterian Women was started in 1961 and has been uh, a mighty women of God and continue to be uh, for a phenomenal amount of mission work, which we continue this day, to this day. In 1972, with session approval, we inaugurated a program of designated mission giving. We were able to choose where we wanted our mission monies to go to Presbytery, which made mission giving so much more person- personable. We started out giving a portion of our men's monies to the Sowers in Nepal. At the time, here in the United States, we were doing cataract surgeries where you had to lay in flat in bed with sandbags beside you in nepal the people lined up when the eye surgeons came in and they did an assembly line where one person was on the table they gave did the surgery and as that person was getting up off the table another person was laying down Um, then we started uh serving the um with Fred and Marjorie Stock, who worked in Pakistan until their retirement, and they live in the Presbyterian homes in Duarte. We also worked with Dr. Dick and Chris Freeman, who were medical missionaries to a hospital in the Cameroon. And as these uh, missionaries came through and talked at the church, um, there was one little girl who sat in the audience listening to them tell their stories, and she was always excited about the, the work. And that little girl went into missions herself. You can guess who that might be. When we connect to the world, our children are also listening and learning the different ways God can use them. Another part of our monies went to Bell Gardens Community Center, which was funded through the Presbytery and the Presbyterian women. And the relationship we developed with Bell Gardens led to the PCC youth spending a week helping paint part of the community center. The most shaking memory from that trip was the large earthquake they rode out inside the old gym building there, which was a bit frightening. In 1996, PCC members joined a group from other Presbyterian churches to to a work trip to the Presbyterian church located in Nairobi, Kenya, a trip of work and experiences to be remembered for a lifetime. In 2015, the Syrian Fellowship began worshiping at PCC on Sunday afternoons. The Dar-Jurish said, PCC trusted and loved us. They gave us everything. We don't have time to tell you all the exciting things God has led PCC to give us. Um, We will have a scroll of remembrance uh, to be seen later on. But we thank you for all that you have done to contribute to the mission of uh, our lord throughout the world and we would pray that you would prayerfully continue to support these missions and now i would like to turn the microphone over to carlina uh, macy who will tell us about our operation christmas child mission this year
2: good morning At this time, I'd like to invite the children and students to come up and go stand uh, near the shoeboxes to my left. Um, As the children are coming up, um, I just wanted to thank everyone for participating this year in Operation Christmas Child. The boxes over here are just a fraction of the boxes that have already been packed. We've got about 150 more in the pantry and in room 5 and then this afternoon we have a church that's dropping off another 600 boxes so we are off to a great start um, as you know tomorrow is the beginning of national collection week and we'll be collecting shoe boxes from all over Costa Mesa and, and the surrounding areas from all sorts of people and um, we're gonna have a great week so what we would like to do this morning is bless the shoe boxes that we already have here and like I said the ones in the pantry so would you join me Uh, in prayer, please. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for making Operation Christmas Child possible again this year. We are blessed to be a part of it, especially during a pandemic. Please bless these shoeboxes and remove obstacles in their way, and please help with customs and delivering shoeboxes to remote locations. We know all things are possible through you, and we pray that you get just the right shoebox to the specific child that needs it. We pray that every shoebox is a gospel opportunity and that the children who receive them see how wonderful you are through your son, Jesus Christ. We pray that these children participate in the greatest journey lessons to become your disciples. We also pray that they share this good news with their families, friends, and neighbors, and that churches are planted in their communities. We ask you to bless everyone on both sides of these shoeboxes, from the children that receive them to all the volunteers that make it possible. Please bless churches like PCC that pack shoeboxes. May our faith become even stronger by participating in Operation Christmas Child. Please hear our prayer, Heavenly Father. We know that these shoebox gifts will bring joy to children in need and serve as an opportunity to share the greatest gift of all, the gift of eternal salvation through your Son. You've taught us that it is a blessing to give as well as to receive. Help us to truly feel this, knowing we are doing your kingdom work by making disciples of all nations. We thank you, Father, for the privilege of serving you. In your son's name, amen. Thank you. Good morning,
3: church. Yes, yes. You know, we used to say amen back in the day, and so I think the horn on the car is the new amen. So, so if you hear something you like, hit it. Okay. <laughs> so good to be back with you again. And uh, on this bright sunny morning, we're glad to get together for worship once again. Let us be called to worship from the words of Psalm 66. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of His name. Make His praise glorious. Praise our God, all peoples, and let the sound of His praise be heard. Father, we come to You this day in worship as Your people in this part of Your vineyard. And Lord, I pray as we gather together in one form or another through podcast or here present on the property, Lord, we pray that we can have a sense caused by Your Holy Spirit that brings us together, that unifies us together, and gives us one voice, even a thousand tongues to sing Your praise. Be with us, Lord, and receive our praise this day. We pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's sing our opening hymn together.
4: All right, now we have to, uh, being about 100 people here, we have to make up for the rest of the 900 to get to the thousand tongues to sing. So let's do it with a lot of happiness.
5: Students, you are now dismissed to your program. Enjoy today. Learn about Jesus. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came through Christ Jesus. Together, let us confess our sin against God and neighbor. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have refused to hear the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Hear and believe the good news. There is no chasm that cannot be bridged, no loss that cannot be removed, no mistake that cannot be forgiven, no life that cannot be redeemed by the grace of God in Jesus Christ. Our confidence is in God's grace. Know that you are forgiven. Amen.
6: Well, you've heard that word, amen, a number of times. Pastor Tim encouraged you to chime in with amens. We heard it in the hymn. We've heard it now in the confession. I think you're getting uh, maybe a signal from heaven here on what you're supposed to do throughout the day today. So we're going to sing a song called All the People Said Amen. I know you've heard it. And uh, there's an opportunity to sing, to shout, or to honk your horn all throughout it. And it comes right after we sing, And All the People Said Amen. And that's where you'll get to chime in with your cars or your voices. You ready? Here we
4: go. You are not alone If you are lonely When you feel afraid You're not the only We are all the same In need of mercy to be forgiven and be free. It's all you got to lean on, but thank God it's all you need. Here we go. And all the people said amen.
7: And all the people, people said amen. Give thanks to the Lord for his love
4: never ends. And, and all the people, people said amen. We're getting there. Here we go. Second verse. If you're rich or poor, well, it don't matter. Weak or strong, you know love is what we're after. We're all broken, but we're all in this together. God knows we stumble and we fall. But he so loved the world, he sent his son to save us all. Here we go. I'll give you the cue. And all the people said amen. Honk! Oh, oh, oh. And all the people said amen Give thanks to the Lord For His love never ends And all the people said
7: amen Blessed all the poor in spirit Who are torn apart it all the persecuted And the pure in heart it all the people hungry
4: For another start, for theirs is the kingdom, the kingdom of God. And all the people said, Amen.
7: Amen.
4: And all the people said, Amen. Give thanks to the Lord, for his love never ends. And all the people said amen Last chance, here we go And all the people said amen Whoa, 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 whoa. and all the people said amen Give thanks to the Lord for his love never ends And all the people said amen And all the people said amen
3: amen and amen Amen. all right it's like old times huh yeah it is it is except we got this pandemic rolling around oh man don't go there don't go there it's really good to be home and it it really does feel like coming home for those of you that uh, have come in the last gosh it's been two and a half years Uh, welcome I look forward to meeting you at some point And for those of you that were with us during some of those 23 years that I was the pastor here, it's so good to see you again and to be part of this uh, amazing ministry. I salute my brother, Jason, and all the work you're doing and the way you've hung in there. Somebody said, boy, you got out just in time, Tim. (laughs) Uh, But I'll tell you what, uh, I'm still pretty involved uh, uh, over at Shepherd's Grove Presbyterian Church in Irvine with Bobby Shuler and his group and it's just a good church to be a part of at this point in time we're kind of in and out I preach around at different churches like I am this morning but this is home and so uh, we thank you for welcoming us once again Ruth is here Uh, actually she's here with Doris Thompson some of you remember Patrick Patrick is working today as uh, part of the chaplain staff at UCI hospital so you can really pray for him because they're uh, now increasing their number, their caseloads over there at the hospital with COVID patients. And he would appreciate your prayers. You know, as I, as I have grown older, thank you for mentioning that. <laughs> one of the things I've really come to appreciate more and more is the significance of prayer. And it leads us to the question, how then do we pray? Are there any instructions? Is prayer just kind of this euphoria that we float around in and we kind of reflect as we go? Or is it an intentional time? If it is, what do we say? How do we structure our prayers? What happens during prayer? There's only one occasion that is recorded in the Gospels. Both Matthew and Luke tell us about it. It's in Matthew 6 and Luke 11, basically the same prayer. But it is the gold standard. It is the only time where Jesus literally, intentionally, and orally gave instructions, specific instructions about prayer. And this becomes for us the gold standard as to how we pray. But it's amazing. It's like everything that Jesus gives us is just a few lines but it's filled with meaning and significance. It's called the Lord's Prayer. But looking at Jesus' intent, it probably is better titled the Disciples' Prayer because he gives us these specific instructions. I'd like to read from Matthew's version in chapter 6, the the heart and center of the Sermon on the Mount, beginning at verse 9. From the evil one. And then Jesus adds this For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Amen. You know, my dad used to say, especially when times got tough or stressful or challenging in one way or another, he says, what you need, son, is perspective. You need to get grounded. You need to figure out just where you are in relation to what's going on around you. This prayer does that for us. Because it begins with a greeting, a salutation, if you will, And it tells of God's holiness. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. When we pray this prayer, we come into the presence and the majesty of the living God. The verb Jesus uses is the Greek verb hagiadzo, which means to be holy. Let your name be holy be sanctified, be set apart. But this is a bit unusual, isn't it? When we come into the presence of royalty, it's not normal protocol because when we usually address royalty or people of honor, we begin with salutations like Your Majesty or Your Honor if you're in a court of law. Or if you're in a religious setting, you come and you say Your Holiness. That's how we begin. But the first words in this prayer of prayers tells us about the one we address and about ourselves. It's an indication, it is in fact, of what is to come. The first two words, Our Father. Don't lose sight of that. We pray this prayer not as individuals, We pray this prayer in community because it begins with the word our. It's not my, it's our Father. First person, plural, inclusive of all of us. Our Father. Think of that. And it's the same throughout the whole prayer Give to us our daily bread, forgive us our debts. Lead us not into temptation. It's first person plural. It's inclusive of us all. You see, and that's important to point out, I think, because many think prayer is a private matter. It's like saying we can have a private language. That's absurd. Prayer is entered into as a community. Now, it's not to say that we can't have individual prayers, but when we pray, we pray as part of the wider community of followers. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And there it goes. We together come into the presence of the Holy God. The first words are spoken to our Father, but It's an intimate address because it's the same word that Jesus uses to address His Father. It's the Greek word or the Hebrew word Abba. You know, that's a great word because it's usually the first word that a young Hebrew child speaks because you don't need any teeth to say that word. Abba. And you know, since we've Uh, left PCC we have a new granddaughter her name is Kara she lives about three blocks from here and I'm here to tell you she's taking over the world so just be forewarned but she has spoken her first words you know what her first words were she looked at me and she said Baba Baba and it reminded me of this Abba, Abba. We are allowed into the presence of the Holy and say our Abba, Dada, Baba. How intimate is that? As the beloved children of this holy, mighty, sovereign, powerful God, we can trust this relationship as we come to prayer. And the first thing we proclaim is Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's a loaded clause. Kingdom is a word that implies a royal reign or a divine rule. We are calling on our Abba, our Father, to bring His reign, to bring His rule and His kingdom. We are appealing to our Father. To make His values, His behaviors, His protocols, the reality here and now in our world. That causes us to reflect just for a moment. Even before we ever pray that prayer again. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. That's going to require from deep, some deep change. True. For us, for the people around us, for our world. And when we pray that clause, we should swallow hard and know what we're praying. But know as we pray it, God is there to make it happen. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. And then we move into the second part of the prayer which is really a declaration of dependence. We approach our Father as beloved children in need of what only our Father can provide. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Many of us have grown up with the illusion of self-reliance. We begin that early on. We've just been teaching Kara how to brush her own teeth. We're teaching our grandkids how to tie their shoes, clean up after themselves. Now, all that's good. I'm not saying we don't want to do that. But we work and we grow Later in life, to own our own home, our own business, and to be financially independent. Really? Is this even a possibility? In reality, this prayer and the Gospels teach us that we are all interdependent. And in this prayer, we begin with that admission. We are dependent, first of all, on our Creator God, the Father, for our very lives and salvation. And we come to this prayer hungry in need of food, guilty in need of forgiveness, and helpless in need of deliverance. Give us this day our daily bread. It's okay to ask God for the things we need. He knows we need it. We must have sustenance. And it even reminds us of the children of Israel in the wilderness. They needed bread in the Exodus. And God answers their prayer and provides bread. He provides manna from heaven in the barren desert. Enough for one day. A daily bread. It's not going to Costco and getting a month's supply. It's one day. And notice, too, it's bread and it's not cake. It's not a croissant. It's just plain bread. But it's enough to keep us from hunger. And I actually believe that this also can be read metaphorically as well as literally. We need shelter. We need justice. We need peace. This is part of asking for daily bread in our lives. And we make this request in community, in line and alongside of people that need bread, probably far worse than we do. And we must be interceding for all those who are denied this bread, this justice, this peace. Lord, provide for us all the elements we need as your kingdom comes to reign on earth as in heaven. And then it goes on to the next need. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. As we've said, the reality behind this prayer is that we are the Father's beloved children. Nonetheless, we have violated what God our Father has for us to become. The word in the original language means to offend or to violate. In other traditions, and this always is the stumbling block, isn't it? If you come from another denomination use the word trespass in many ways that's you know the same kind of a word you know you've done something wrong you've trespassed you have violated you've offended some law so the greatest need we have is this need to be forgiven we need redemption and jesus comes to bring in person the mercy of god His death on the cross is living proof of God's unrelenting mercy. This is why Jesus came in his own words. Here in the prayer he taught us, we ask for it to be true for us. Forgive us our debts. Then comes this next line. Again, it's another one of those lines that you should swallow hard. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us as we show forgiveness for those who have wronged us. Who's flashing in your mind? We, those who pray this prayer, are called to live out what we ask for. We as the church of Jesus Christ are sent out and called to embody to the world the glorious and stunning message of forgiveness. God's intention is that the world be able to see His purpose lived out in the relationships of those who pray this prayer as we forgive those who are indebted to us. Let that settle in. Not to do so means that we have not understood or experienced God's intention. It's like we are saying, I don't really believe God's kingdom has arrived in Jesus. Or that the forgiveness of sins has actually happened on the cross. You see, this isn't just a nice moral lesson to create a more tolerant world. This is something that Jesus' followers had to learn as Jesus' life unfolded before them. And if we deny that one clause, it's like we're cutting off the branch we're sitting on. For it's the essence of the gospel message. And this line is so filled with implications. I'm reminded of the words of the late Nelson Mandela, who after 27 years of being imprisoned, under false pretenses by apartheid in South Africa. In February of 1990, Mandela chose to forgive those who had imprisoned him. 27 years. I wasn't pastor here that long. Mandela was then willing to be elected president of South Africa and govern the people who had imprisoned him illegally and because of his willingness to forgive he became a human rights advocate of the highest order afterwards someone asked him how he avoided acting out of resentment and bitterness and he said this if you fill your life with thoughts of resentment and bitterness Your enemies and captors will win. But I chose a higher road, the road of forgiveness. And therefore, love and God and I have won. I am free to leave, to live, and to love. Who is God calling on you to forgive? The person in your family who turned on you? Your former spouse, your father who brought abuse to your family, the co-worker or supervisor you dread facing each day. We come to prayer as people in need, in need of daily bread, forgiveness of sins, and finally, our need for God's rescue from the wicked one. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I remember the little girl, it might have been here, who sat up on the steps inside with me one day as I was giving a children's sermon and we talked about this prayer. And she prayed, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us some email. Now, after these times, I'm certainly not asking for email, but that's not what the prayer says. There is a present force alive today and contending for our soul, our very life. Paul talked about that in Ephesians. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. It's real. At this moment, there's someone contending for your soul. But this prayer calls on God to be always present and ready to save us, His beloved children, from this evil, wicked one. But then, as the prayer closes, the question arises. Do we really need to ask God not to lead us into this evil temptation? Why would we even think God would ever do such a thing? This clause is not saying that God causes us to be tempted or even suggesting that. In the original language, it can be um, translated to tempt or to test. Lord, please don't lead us to be tested in the way of the evil one. I believe this word from Jesus led Paul to write in his letter to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 10. No temptation... Same word, testing, has overtaken you except what is common to humankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted or tested beyond what you can bear. But when you are tested, he will also provide a way out so you can endure it. So the prayer ends according to our earliest manuscripts, right there. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. But it seems it was hard to believe in the first century that prayer would end that way. In the Hebrew culture, even Jesus would have ended their prayers differently. And so we think that very shortly after Jesus died, and was resurrected, they added the ending that we use today traditionally in the prayer. Most scholars believe that early on within a century or two of Jesus' life, the ending we use was added. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I didn't hear any horns. (laughs) Thank you for playing this game. I appreciate that. This ending holds to the theme of the rest of the prayer. We affirm God's kingdom, power, and glory forever and ever. Now, in conclusion, the prayer Jesus taught reveals our beloved Father, ready to bring His kingdom here, now. One who is prepared to supply our real needs and those of all people through us to forgive us our sins in order that we might extend forgiveness to those around us and to not lead us into testing, but to deliver us from the evil one. That the kingdom and glory and power might all be His forever and ever. And friends, as never before, we live in a day when we need to be called back to our core. This prayer takes us there to the Father who remains on the throne, our beloved Father, and Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. And at this time, this second week or third week, whatever it is in November, Of 2020, we must be the church, the voice of justice, of peace, of reconciliation and salvation, most of all. Those able to speak truth to power based on the scriptures and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Amen? (laughs) Amen. Let us pray for a moment. Lord, thank you so much for this glorious prayer. You taught us how to pray. Lord, help us to model our prayers after your prayer. And help us to speak literally this prayer day by day by day in our lives. And let us be taken before the throne of our beloved Father, who forgives us our sins, who gives us our daily bread, and who refuses to lead us not into temptation, but instead to deliver us from evil. The evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the glory forever and ever. Lord, thank You for my dear friends and fellow accompaniments along the journey here at PCC. They will always and forever be close to my heart. Lord, bless You. For we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said...
6: Well, we come to that time in the service where we get to express our gratitude in another fashion. We call that worship. We get to worship with our minds. We get to worship with our hearts. And in a very tangible sense in this carnal existence, we get to worship with our finances. And so if you are listening in today, mail your tithes and offerings to Presbyterian Church of the Covenant P.O. Box 2128. That's in Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And if you're here today sitting under a tent or hovering on the side of the building or on stage or in your car, uh, you have the opportunity to uh, place your tithes and offerings in the plates or baskets in the stations as you leave. Uh, The scripture says in Philippians 4, 6 through 7, it says, Don't worry about anything, but instead pray about everything. With thankful hearts, offer up your prayers and requests to God. And then, because you belong to Christ Jesus, God will bless you with a peace that no one completely can understand. The peace that transcends all understanding. And then peace will control the way you think and feel. Uh. There's a lot of things that we can choose to be worried about these days. Uh, Pre-COVID, you had your, already your health to worry about, your finances, perhaps your relationships. I mean, the list goes on. But guess what list can go even further than what you can worry about? Your list of gratitude. And gratitude is actually the foundation of faith, which is why it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Perfect love casts out all fear. That's why you are not to worry, but instead, pray as Jesus did. And so today, as a response during the offering, we're going to sing a song called No Longer Slaves, because you are no longer a slave to fear. So instead, change your mind. Turn it to peace and pray. Let's sing.
4: For you unravel me with a melody, you surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone. I am no longer a slave. I am a child of God, I
7: am no longer a of fear, I am a child of God.
4: From my mother's womb, you have chosen me. Love has called my name. I've been born again to your family. Your blood flows through my veins. Sing it out. Here we go. I'm no longer a slave
7: to fear. A child of God, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God, sing it out. I'm, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child. You rescued me.
8: This morning, my uh, scripture that I chose was the same one that Danny chose, which I think really means that God wants everyone to hear it. So I'm going to repeat it. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Paul, writing from a jail in Rome, encourages his friends and partners in the gospel to not only present their prayers and supplications unto God, but also present their thanksgiving. In spite of everything happening in our world these many months, we are still encouraged to come before God in thanksgiving. Pray with me. God of heaven and earth, through Jesus Christ, you promise to hear us when we pray to you in his name. Confident in your love and mercy, we offer our prayers. Give us the grace and courage to not only hear your will, but to do your will. Hear us as we pray for our neighbors in need. Then give us the courage to transform our words into actions. Strengthen this congregation in its work and worship. Fill our hearts with your self-giving love that our voices may speak your praise and our lives may conform to the image of your Son. Nourish us with your word and sacraments that we may faithfully minister in your name and witness to your love to all the world. We pray for our world. Protect all the nations from the effects of the COVID virus. We pray for all who are working on developing effective vaccines and treatment drugs. May they work with one another, sharing this successes so that all may be protected and this raging virus can be brought to a halt. We give thanks for the many caregivers working tirelessly, caring for the sick. Put your protecting hand around them and keep them safe, we pray. We pray for Elsie's daughter and her family as they recover from this virus. Bring healing to all who are affected. Our country has been in a turmoil since the election and questions about votes. Remove the obstacles that separate us as a country and lead us into being one nation, under God, indivisible. You have told us what you require of us, to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with you. Enable us as a nation to live in this way, that your kingdom may be seen here on earth. We pray for Operation Christmas Child, that through our gifts, children around the world may know you and know your love for them. We pray for the many volunteers who give so selflessly for the success of this program. We pray for our deacons and elders who give so generously of themselves in service to you and this church. We give thanks for those who will be presented today for their willingness to be part of these teams and we ask your blessings upon them. Look with compassion on all who suffer. Support with your love those with incurable diseases those in prison, those denied dignity, those who live without hope, those who are homeless or abandoned. Bring healing to all whom we name in our hearts. As you have moved toward us in love, so lead us to be present with them in their suffering. In the name of Jesus. We pray for healing for Charlotte DeMott. And we pray for Karen Almanza and Elizabeth Van Doren, who will be undergoing procedures this week. Surround your people with your love as we join in the prayer that unites us as Christians. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven.
3: And now it's so good to be together the first day of the week and start the week in worship, isn't it? So glad you came out. And those of you that are listening on the podcast, thank you for joining us. And I want you to know this week when you get into traffic and the guy behind you honks his horn. (laughs) I want you to remember this. I want you to remember that God has sent us out with the good news of the gospel, the news of forgiveness. And I want to remind you too, if you'd stay around, if you're members of this church, please stay around for just a few moments as you gather together to make the decisions that the congregation needs to make. And now receive the benediction. May the grace of Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit be with you and upon all those who whom you hold dear this day and forevermore. Amen.